Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Chris Stevens because Matt Trumpets is in the air. So we're leaning on you today, Chris, for the F1 news and stuff. Oh, that's fine. I like being leaned on for F1 news and stuff. This is my jam, as it were. So F1 has kind of been fairly dormant, and we've kind of had the night shift here, haven't we, uh, on Missed Apex Podcast. And all of a sudden... The F1 news just explodes and I've been on holiday all week. So I've literally caught up on the F1 news today and there's there's loads going on. There's loads to catch up on. So you are my oracle of F1 news, Chris. Oh, it's also, I mean, it's like buses, isn't it really? You know, you wait all day for, you wait all winter for that, and then they all come at once. Nope, that's not how buses work. We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. We're also joined by BBC Radio Cambridge's F1 and karting subject matter expert podcaster Kyle Power. How's it going, Kyle? Yeah, very good. Cheers. Still trying to come to terms with the dizzying heights of local radio fame. It's Cambridge, it was, thanks to you. It was so much fun having you on yeah, there. We had a great life, although you did manage to quite literally drive the wheels off the cart. Okay, quite o- impressive. Only one wheel fell off my cart, to be fair. Uh, me and Kyle went down to Red Lodge Karting in Red Lodge Village in East Cambridgeshire, and it was brilliant, wasn't it? I was following you around the track, and you were kind of giving me a thumbs up or thumbs down, and you're, well, you're very fast. Ah, it was good fun. Freight training past the general public. It was brilliant. We were clearly the two fastest out there, apart from that little kid who weighed about 30 kilos. Yes, yeah, But no, we're really good. And I was really impressed. I, uh, No offense. I thought you'd be a lot worse than you actually were. You, you, you were really quick. You were really oh, quick. Oh, fantastic. What do I have to do to beat Jeansy at the Missed Apex karting? What's, my, what's, my, what's the little things that I have to do to just creep past him? Be more consistent. Oh. And the little errors, like running a slightly wide jeans, he is extremely quick, but he can get a little bit leery. So show a wheel to him, ruffle his feathers. I think you'll be all right. So you're telling me just to get in there and mess with him, yeah? 
Oh, indeed. He's going to hate me for that. Sorry, Alex. But yeah, go in there, stuff him. Let's talk about some news. Big Dirty News. Go ahead and stuff him. That's not the kind of language we've become accustomed to here on Missed Apex Podcast. Everyone's normally so nice. But yes, I shall indeed go ahead and stuff him. Chris, F1 is changing a little bit for next season. Uh, this was all the sort of brainchild of uh, uh, Ross Braun talking about let's sacrifice a bit of speed in order to get better racing. They've simplified the front wings. Ferrari predicted that it would be 1.5 seconds slower. And in their wind tunnel, they're reporting that that is what they're finding. Yeah, although it seems to be that that one and a half second figure came from just when they slapped the wing on uh, the new wing and the new aero uh, parts uh, straight away, you know, before they actually began developing ways to regain that downforce elsewhere which all the teams have been doing since they started testing these wings uh, way back uh, early last season. Um, so that figure I don't think is going to be quite so true. I mean, some teams like Red Bull have claimed that their car is just as fast as it was last year. Yeah, um, everyone's saying the one and a half seconds, as you said, just from the front wing going on, but it's a complete concept design. So now they're using the the barge boards to create the outwash as opposed to the front wing. So you can't really test for that. So I'm expecting them to be just as fast straight from the first race. And I've got to say, you know, we've seen so much extra aero in that barge board side pod um, area. So there's all those extra wheel and extra downforce coming from there. But actually, with the simpler wings, they're probably used just as much downforce. And therefore, it's probably just as hard to overtake as it was um, this time last year, which was pretty much the, the, the role of the new regulations. It was to stop the racing getting any worse. And actually, I think the, the new tyres that are less uh, prone to overheating, especially following other cars and graining, uh, are going to have a bigger impact on the racing than anything else. Yeah, that's the thing with the tyres. I was initially quite disappointed because uh, I thought a bit midway through the year, we were expecting them to try to go to softer compounds to try and enforce a minimum of two stops each race. And now they've U-turned on that, um, saying that they're gonna, they've accepted it's probably going to be a one-stop race each race. So instead of giving them softer tyres, the teams would eke out and it would be even more of a conservation run. They've now given them harder tyres, so they should be able to push. So I was initially disappointed, but I actually think that's a good move for racing. Yeah, I won't pretend to fully understand that. But bottom line, we think that these regulations may have worked, but not made them any slower. Generally, I don't care at all what the what the stopwatch says. Like if, if they said to me, right, Formula One is going to be 20 seconds a lap slower, or let's say 10 seconds a lap slower. You're barely going to notice that watching from from the side of the stands, are you? In fact, if anything, it might look a bit busier and scruffier through the corners, Kyle. Oh, no, you will notice that sort of lap time difference. I watched some of the IndyCar testing at Cota the other day, and there there were 14 seconds off the Formula 1, and it was visible difference. So lap time does does count. It does count. Formula 1 should be the pinnacle. It should be the fastest racing. So I think that's a prerequisite to Formula 1, really. Well, in the 90s, Chris, everyone used to say that English football was faster and therefore better than, say, Italian football. Once, because uh, I've of an era when Britain was banned from European football, once we went back into the European competitions, what we figured out was, in fact, it was just the fact that the Italian players, for example, would control the ball. So it seemed like they had more time. Whereas the British players, it would bounce off their foot, go a metre forward, and they'd all scramble for it. Um, surely 
you know, a series where they didn't have as much grip in the corners and they're not on rails. It would still be fast down the straights. It could still be very exciting. This this constant thrust for this minimal lap time at the de- detriment of racing, if it is to the detriment of racing, is is pointless to me. Well, no, exactly. And rule changes in the past have always been to slow the cars back down again. And 2017 was really the first time that, that they actually wanted to make the cars quicker, despite the fact that everyone said, you're going to make the racing an awful lot worse. Um, but Formula One didn't listen to, to those people and were proved absolutely right when you know overtaking figures suddenly plummeted because of the extra downforce. Um, but it seems like you know we're, we're at least moving in the right direction. And the, the regulations that we've got for this year are pretty much a trial run and a, a teaser for the bigger changes coming in 2021. Yeah, um, I don't think I don't think it's all down to the error. Yes, the when they changed in 2017, the overtaking stats went down. But a lot of the great races, like the crazy races we've seen, like China and Baku, it wasn't about the aero. There was loads of overtaking. It was about different stages of tire degradation and different stages and how you manage the ERS system. The thing is, you can create a high downforce car in, in with other means uh, and and means that are less likely to have an impact in in racing and i think those are the avenues that formula one should be looking at for the not too distant future well i guess that brings us on to car launches chris we've had a look at some of the 2019 cars so first impressions at looking at them this isn't a 2014 horror show is it where we've seen you know the phallus 2014 caterham where or or you know the is it the 2013 lotus twin tusk we haven't seen anything along the lines of the uh the mclaren rear uh, parachute <laughs> that it had like parachutes make you go slower mclaren that can't possibly be good uh that got dropped pretty quickly it's been very much uh, evolution rather than revolution yeah i'm i'm pleasantly surprised um by the car launches i had a few worries uh particularly about the aesthetics of the car because when they uh, first put the wings on in the Hungary test, and I saw the photos from it, the cars didn't look very nice um, at all. But actually, having seen the 2019 cars proper, uh, the cars do actually uh, look very, very good. And I, w- I was also slightly worried that we were just going to get a standardized front wing across the board. And uh, based on what we've seen so far, uh, that definitely isn't the case. So uh, a lot of positives from uh, from the first week. Yeah, just going on what Chris said there. Um... I was really concerned when these regulations were brought out that we were going to lose some of the um, ingenuity between the teams. And for the armchair expert, when like myself, when you sit there and watch YouTube and you watch the online videos um, about the technical aspects of new cars coming out, I think this year is the best year that there's been because the wings are simpler, but there's still been quite a big deviation in design philosophy between the teams. And you can actually see clearer for the armchair expert, who's not an expert in aerodynamics like myself, you can clearly see what they're trying to do now. So I actually think, they've been a revelation in that sense and uh, most of the chat room comments hello chat room by the way uh most of the chat room comments are focusing around my football comments all right guys steady on steady on i never said english football was the best i said we were under the impression it was the best and i believe that we were banned because of football hooliganism it was about six years which was in my kind of teen prime but let's get back to formula one you know me i don't like the tangent uh, shall we focus in on some of the teams chris uh, mercedes the current five-time double world champions rolled out with their car at a testing day in Silverstone. Actually, one of the sleeker 
more graphically pleasing designs. Uh, Mercedes pretty much stick to what they know when it comes to the design, but this has kind of like a, a slick carbon fiber, gray on gray look. And as soon as I saw that car, I went, oh, oh, that's a good looking car. Yeah, it's almost reminiscent of their 2010 livery when Mercedes uh, returned to uh, to Formula One. Um, and uh, it, yeah, it does it does look pretty good. And um, I got to say, it, it's uh, from from what I've heard is 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 looking uh, quite nice out on uh, the track. It's a refinement of their theory once again. So nothing revolutionary, um, just more of what they know and improving the bits that need to be improved. The things that aren't quite fully optimized, you know. I mean, I know they won the vast majority of races last season, but they still think in areas like trying to be kinder to the tyres are areas to improve. And that's what they've aimed at for this season. Oh, look at that. The, the chat room's in fight mode today, Kyle. Uh, it's silver, not grey. Oh, I don't know. It's kind of... A, look, if you want to come to the chat room and defend me, go to YouTube and search Mr. Apex Podcast. You can join in the live chat. You'll get a notification when we go live if you select to do so. And you can see our, our pretty faces in the top bit. And then you'll have the live chat room strolling in, in the bottom bit. Strolling? Scrolling. We'll get to stroll later. Kyle. Yeah, I think the Mercedes livery is beautiful. They've put a go faster stripe on it. It's not this horrible blending thing like the Williams. They've got a proper go faster stripe like an old Vauxhall Nova. That's, that's brilliant. And plus... They they haven't gone for a wild redesign. It's very much um, um, an evolution, and they've stuck with their tried and tested philosophy. And they've done their high high front wing, oh, sorry, high front suspension with their rather quite ordinary side pod mounts, where everyone seems to sort of gone over to the Ferrari periscope type side pods. And Mercedes was stuck to their guns, low rake philosophy, long wheelbase because it works and they stuck with it, but everyone else is going over to the Ferrari sort of style. So I think it's great that we've got two of the big teams who are totally doing completely different things with their cars. Uh, Des in the chat room uh, points out Mercedes claim that the engine is a new design. I always take new with a pinch of salt when teams say that about their new cars, because sometimes that's very, very true. And what they mean is it's new in the sense that it's different from what it was last year, even if that's one component. Um, the engine, it is it is repackaged slightly, um, especially in the cooling, so that um, it's, it's more efficient and it's better for aero as well, so it's a bit tighter. But um, I, I don't think it's anything wholeheartedly new, for example. You know, it's, it's new in the sense that it's different to last year, but it's nothing revolutionary. You don't want to be the designer at Mercedes who turns around and changes uh, the car that's won the last 10 uh, Formula One titles. You don't want to be the guy who goes, hey, I've got an idea. Let's switch it around this year. And then they're suddenly fifth because that can definitely happen in Formula One, Kyle. Indeed. So, hey, let's try McLaren. Yep, (laughs) exactly. Although uh, McLaren have changed at least their philosophy to public relations, which we'll come on to a little bit later. There was a social media shot, Chris, of Toto Wolff at that testing day at Silverstone, looking very, very pleased with the car going past. And he seemed to have this kind of glint in his eye that made the whole world go, yeah. And uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, sounded like a kid on Christmas morning, didn't he? In that promotional video that Mercedes put out of his first lap in the car around Silverstone. Because uh, the, the laps that they do on these testing days have to be done on very hard demonstration tyres, don't they? But I'm imagining that Lewis Hamilton still has the skill to kind of get in that and go, oh, wow, this is 
more of the thing I like. It's more pointy. It's more stable. I can push it harder. Sorry, Kyle. Yeah, um, and they're just testing the power delivery, how how all the functions work on the car, how the power delivers. Like if you've seen some of the shots of the Red Bull out on track, Max pushing hard. And the same thing with some of the inboards from Lewis. He come out of the pit lane. It wasn't any gently, gently. He smacked that throttle really hard as soon as he got out of the pit lane. So of course they can feel it as soon as they get it. They know if it's a nice power delivery or not. Although I am reliably informed by boots on the ground that it didn't go completely smoothly. That's why I want to, I want to slightly caveat the optimism. If you're Toto Wolf and you've got this video that's going to go out on social media and the car goes past, you're not going to turn to the camera and go, Oh, finally, you know, ah, well, we eventually got that going. I guess it's kind of fast, but all F1 cars look fast if you're stood here. He's definitely not going to say that. And he can be optimistic about the design and things like that. But I happen to have heard on that day that they were unable to to actually get the car going for most of the day until very close to the end of that filming day. So what we've seen there is them just getting it out. But this is not a proper testing day, is it? This is more of a, a shakedown. So it still serves a purpose. There's a reason why they have all the teams have their media days before testing. It's so they can treat it as a testing day. Effectively, I mean, you're only allowed 100 kilometers, I think it is. Um, so there's there's very little you can do. Effectively, it's just a shakedown of the car to make sure that it actually works. And you can avoid that embarrassing moment that some teams have had in uh, the past, <coughs> McLaren, um, where they they roll out for the first day and can't make it past the end of pit lane. Yeah, it's trying to avoid these uh, oil tank incidents. I think they had last year or the year before where the oil tank was the wrong shape and they couldn't pick the oil up properly. Um, and that, that makes it really important for these two promotional days they're allowed a year. So most teams utilise one as a pre-shakedown, which which is, is a complete no-brainer. So if teams happen to miss that or try to make it and don't, it's a bit of a disaster, really. Well, you and I, Kyle, are both people who've done a lot of testing in the field of engineering. Everyone take a drink. And, uh, you know, things, no matter how well you build them, components shift around, uh, designs are a little bit off here and there. That shakedown is is really invaluable because... If something breaks, it's not necessarily bad. You just go, oh, okay, we just need to make that small adjustment. It's generally right, but that thing didn't fit in that thing. Yeah, of course. And it's stuff like your pressure system. So you have a highly pressurized sort of cooling system and stuff. Like that. And it's seeing if the pressures are in the right places. I mean, it's quite complex to try and get flows where you want them through different tubes. So it's the things that you don't necessarily see underneath the skin, which are crucial to the operation of the car, which is what they're checking. Good. And uh, did you notice in our private correspondence among the panel that, uh, that a lot of the, the guys were surprised, Kyle, that this was a 16-month-in-the-making car? I guess there are some people out there who think, all right, the season ends, that's 2018 done, let's work on the 2019 car. I know the work on these cars would have started, not last year, probably the, the general philosophy and outlay would have started the year before. So they have to get your core concept of what you're going to do. And then to manufacture these parts, I mean, I hate to think how many parts. There's thousands. I know for for a fact that like a gearbox assembly, there's at least 2,000 individual components in that. And every single one is almost redesigned each year. So that design process starts a long way back, probably, yeah, almost two seasons back. Uh, This year is slightly different, though, because the 2019 regulations were sealed so late. The idea for them only came after the first race of last season uh, because uh, we remember how 
Lewis Hamilton in a superior Mercedes could not pass uh, Sebastian Vettel, who jumped him in the the pit stops under the virtual safety car. They looked at them and went, we've had a terrible race um, here. We need a complete overhaul of regulations for 2019. Slight overreaction. It was seemed to be at the time because we had a cracking race in Bahrain after that. But the point still stands is that it took a while to get those regulations sorted and it's pushed the teams back so much so that teams have been cancelling their shakedown, their filming days, because they've got to get the cars ready and built for the first day of testing, which is only uh, tomorrow morning or or today, if you're listening to this when the show goes out. Uh, just a slight clarification. Chat room, look, things might not always come out with exact fidelity. Mercedes spent a long time in the garage, whether or not they got out very early on and then had a long time with problems on the car before they got out later on. That might be that might be there. Try not to get hung up on little things like that. It's going to be okay, probably. But yeah, uh, going towards this uh, this engineering process where it takes 16 months to develop, you people think of the engineering process a little bit too uh, linearly. I think, in that they think you either, if it takes 100 people to build a car, then it's 100 people from start to finish. So, you know, if you look up the CADMID cycle, which is what a lot of engineering products go through, you have a concept phase early on. So when they're talking about 16 months, they're talking about sometime in the 2017 season for this car, a group, a small management group of engineers will have got together and will be start start talking about the philosophy, we'll start talking about requirements, maybe talk about what environment and rules might exist at that time, what the competition might be like. So when they say it started 16 months ago, it's not a thousand people working on things 16 months ago. It was like a team of 10 managers. Yeah. Can you imagine, you know, how much that work was set back when the 2019 regulations came in and we were seeing teams towards the end of last season putting on tester parts uh, for this season uh, on their cars during practice sessions just to see how they'll, they'll run and how they look in the real world world versus their uh, aero runs. Yeah, also you have uh, an awful lot of um, sort of technical buyers and people who aren't necessarily engineers, well, they are engineers, but in the teams that the teams don't build every single nut and bolt themselves. They outsource quite a lot of the stuff like like some of the drivetrain and the components and casings and stuff like that. So they have to get sorted pretty quickly what the idea of what they want to do. They then need to engage third-party companies, have technical meetings with them, see where they can fit into the schedule. So the whole thing's a mammoth um, logistical nightmare, really, to try to organise. So it starts along a long way down the road, and you have to you have to be very prepared and planned to, to deliver. There's just-on-time sort of philosophy for delivering components, but Formula 1 is that in the extreme. So... Even if there's been a massive design change and you need to do a philosophy change, you that's not just dependent on you, it's depending on all your suppliers as well. So you have to knock them down the chain. So, yeah, it's quite involved, a lot more than most people would think. So when uh, people like Bradley Philpot come on here and they talk about the, the, the way you drive a car and we say, actually, as Formula One fans the way you drive a car is very important and we don't focus on it and we don't sit and turn a wheel ourselves. And then we go, oh, well, the um, the, the rules of engagement, you know, other, other shows and other media outlets, they fly past them and we concentrate on that. Um, but really, logistical engineering is a huge part of the sport, even a much bigger part of the sport sometimes than the eventual racing because that sets the whole grid up. So maybe 
I should do a logistical engineering masterclass. Do you think that would be a good idea? We could cover Cadmid cycle. We could do spiral development. It, it could, it will, it will be such a laugh. I think it'd be wonderful and nobody will fall asleep during it at all. Baha Matimat says, who is this guy? He really knows his stuff. This guy is Kyle Power and he is super edgy. He wears those glasses out of choice. It's an image thing. His vision is perfect, as are his opinions. Kyle, uh, you don't do Twitter, but you, you do Facebook, don't you? Yeah, I do Facebook. I'm on uh, YouTube as well. Um, yeah, I'm a bit of a dinosaur. I haven't come to the Twitter fray yet. I, I might get there one day. All right. So first look at this Mercedes and everything that's coming out of them as a brand and as a PR says positive. We are here. We have arrived. We are going to keep slapping you around the grid. And Chris, I am inclined to believe them. And my opinion will come up more as we talk about Ferrari in the next few minutes. But at the moment, I, I, I think everyone who doesn't want Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton to be successful next year, they are going to be disappointed. I mean, there's really no reason why Mercedes can't be successful this year. You know, coming in as uh, five consecutive world champions, both drivers and constructors, there is just nothing to stop them. The only thing that can stop them is themselves. Yeah. Um, And also with this evolution of their philosophy that they've done, um, they don't really have anywhere to hide of any we've tried a radical redesign concept they haven't they've basically come out and said yeah we we're doing we know we're doing what we know works they've they've got a winning formula they are the benchmark that everyone else has to try and 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 get to it's not like you know before the hybrid era you maybe had two or three teams that were the benchmark and they were then trying to outdo each other no these days it's one team you've got to try and beat and it's Mercedes at the moment, and everyone, including Ferrari and Red Bull, are the ones chasing at the moment. And I think that's great that the one team that everybody is trying to beat looks to have a completely different concept to everyone else. I think that's very interesting. Yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? A, a lot of the teams have gone towards the high rake, haven't they? And a lot of the teams have gone to the, the Ferrari side pods, yet, you know, that pe- maybe people should be. You know, yeah, we're all doing the we're all doing the symbol for the side pods. I, I was always going to call these the mid wings, and I forgot I was going to do that. When you look at the the new Ferrari, it does look like it's got a wing either side of the co- cockpit. So I'm going to start calling them mid wings again. Let's see if we can make that thing. But that that brings us on to Ferrari, Chris. Uh, what do you think of the Ferrari? Because at the launch, it looked worryingly orange, like it looked like a fully orange car. Yeah, this happens a lot. I don't know what's up with the lighting in their wherever they're doing their photo shoots, but uh, they they need to turn that down a little bit because it is a rather gorgeous car. I think the the red and black works very nicely. They've got the Mist Apex M on there as well, haven't they? That's very nice of them to continue that. That is a no cash deal, by the way. No money has changed hands between Mist Apex and Ferrari. Let's just clear up any confusion. It's a good looking car, of course. It's an iconic car. Um, what car? What do you think of this whole? If it looks fast, it is fast. I think that's absolute garbage. Like, how can you tell if a prototype is fast by its looks? I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you there. I think that's absolute nonsense. Uh, usually, I think if it looks ugly, it's going to be fast. So I think totally the opposite. But um, yeah, the Ferrari. Everyone says this is an extreme car, an extreme concept, but actually. They developed this concept of the periscope side pods and the low front suspension to work with it. Um, so they actually look like the less extreme 
of some of them. Like it looks like the other teams have copied them and tried to take it further. Well, again, they've done a bit of a Mercedes, totally different concept, but they've kind of stuck with what they know. Um, I didn't see anything outrageous on the Ferrari, which caught my eye. The the thing is with Ferrari, they have the foundations of a championship winning setup there, don't they? They've come very close in the last two seasons. They're just lacking that extra 5%. And for me, this is a fascinating year for Ferrari to see if Sebastian Vettel can recover himself and recuperate from those mistakes he made last season and challenge for the title and how Charles Leclerc will do in a Ferrari. Ferrari already said that if we need to, we're going to prioritize Sebastian Vettel. It's not great news, but hopefully that's not going to be the, the case in the club. Be, uh right up there with him. I'm also really keen to see how Binotto is going to do as an overall team leader compared to uh, Arriva Bene. And crucially, how is the car going to hold up against Mercedes in a season-long development race, which has been probably the weakest part of Ferrari for the last two seasons? Uh, yeah, it might even go a little bit further back than that. Uh, and as we've been discussing, Bonotto obviously will have been involved in the concept phase for for this car and the the uh, assessment and development phases of this car during 2018. But this is not his car. He would have had a say as a technical lead in his department, but he wouldn't have had the final say with overall philosophy. But what did worry me, and uh, and actually, guys, don't worry too much about the tech stuff because I am going to play about six minutes worth of voice notes from Summers on the audio version that he's just emailed me. Uh, I will tack them on to the end. Um, but Ferrari saying that their new car includes extreme solutions really worries me, Carl, because wasn't wasn't that what got them into trouble during their mid-season development, trying to do sweeping changes? So if they're now saying, aha, we've found the solution, we're going to do even more sweeping state uh, changes, but right from the beginning, it makes me go, let's just give Lewis his sixth title now. Yeah, it's a little bit worrying, but well, I was quite surprised when I read that because I've looked at the car, I mean, in my limited technical knowledge, and I... I, I can't see these extreme solutions that they're talking about. Um, and, and yeah, last season they got it a bit wrong. They brought their big summer update. It didn't work. They went faster when they, when they took it off. And obviously in 20, I think it was 2012, wasn't it? They tried the pull rod front suspension and a completely wild concept and it didn't work. But um, I think they've actually been cautious. Maybe my eye is completely wrong when looking at it, but I didn't see any of these extreme, extreme changes they're talking about. I think extreme changes, and it saddens me that this is what F1 has come to, that this is considered extreme, but I honestly believe it is referring to the use of matte paint rather than using the gloss finish because it's a bit lighter and it's smoother, so it runs more aerodynamically. That's why Red Bull have used it for the past two years. And honestly, I want to see it banned from F1 because in night races, it doesn't shine. No, no, no. No, I... I'd go the opposite. It's just like a for those cricket fans out there, it's just like the cricket ball. If you're trying to swing a cricket ball, you have a dull side, yeah. which is rougher, and the air sticks to it more, so it will swing generally in that direction. So matte paint should actually be more more draggy, I think. And it looks great, so I think it should stay. If you have a smooth golf ball, it doesn't go as far. So you put the dimples in, it makes it go further, doesn't it, Carl? So why don't they just get a little hammer and just, Dump little holes all over the front wings of the F1 cars. Oh, a bit like the Father Ted scene when he's trying to get the, the dents out of his car. 
Chris, when, when, we're talking, when we're talking about aerodynamic vortices that you know are so intricately designed that are supposed to run over the bodywork and not kind of deviate in any way, having as smooth a car as possible is is always going to to help. That's why you know the likes of Red Bull have, have pushed for it um, a couple of years ago. But I do think it, you know, it's in night races especially. I think it takes away from the spectacle a little bit. Yeah, I don't see that. I love the matte finish. Red Bull have been for me the leaders in that. The Red Bull car has always looked the most modern, the most space age, just the coolest. Even if the livery and color scheme hasn't been the best, you look at that Red Bull car and on a close up, and it just looks cool and futuristic. It's the way forward. It's it's uh, you know it's not like a. I think the glossy paint is almost a little bit of a. It almost feels a bit retro now that Red Bull have done that. Yeah, it's very last year, isn't it? And you remember all the hype when Red Bull first introduced this and we saw it in testing and everyone's like, oh, is this some amazing super paint? They're going to have amazing aero <laughs> capabilities no, because cool. of it. And it and it never transpired. It, yeah, they've just gone for a matte paint job. Enough said. All right. So we've had a, a good look at the Mercedes and Ferrari initially. Obviously, we've got testing next week. So a lot of this will be instantly proved or disproved. And we'll all start wildly speculating based on random lap times on unknown the development phases, unknown aerodynamic uh, configurations, unknown testing schedules, unknown fuel loads. Yet we will all sit and argue, including me, about what lap times mean what, Chris? I mean, you just know, don't you, that the images <laughs> that we have seen this week and what we're looking at right now in our show notes is not at all what we're going to see in Barcelona at all. Oh, Blackout19 says Myth- Mythbusters used dimples on a car and got a 10% fuel use reduction. Hello, McLaren. Wasn't that, that big, their big problem last year, wasn't it? No, it was Honda, isn't it? So it will be Red Bull. So expect to see the Red Bull and Toro Rosso with, with dimples in their front wings. Uh, but we've, we've had a, a, a half decent look at Mercedes and Ferrari. But I think there are some core issues in those teams that tell me that it's going to be Mercedes to lose again this year. Mercedes are such a stable, steady package. They've got the same drivers, arguably a compliant number two, although he might not realise it, but he has precisely three races to prove that he's not the number two before he will get made the number two. Uh, but Ferrari, Kyle, they are very much in a state of flux. Not all of it their fault. Um, instead of having a compliant number two, they now have a, a wonder kid, and, of course, they've had changes in their senior management. Yeah, I think their comment of saying we'll favour Vettel and the clerks only there to learn is purely there to appease Vettel. I think that's going to come undone fairly rapidly. And I'm expecting Vettel to be at least matching him by mid-season, if not beating beating him. So I think it's going to be a year of ego management for Ferrari, maybe. And Roger Kulin in the chat room says, Dimples are not allowed in F1. Already done and banned. <sighs> curses i don't remember a dimple car uh i guess we'll have to do some some research on that chris do you agree with my general assessment of mercedes versus ferrari or do you want to give some hope to people who still incorrectly support ferrari boo how could you they are the death star i i, I still think it will be a, a close title fight i mean ferrari know how to make a quick formula one car under these regulations um i'll be interested to see if the 2019 regulations has caused any disruption to some teams. So whether the new wings has just totally wrecked their aero philosophy and actually have got some pretty major issues. But I'm sure we're going to uncover all of that throughout testing. I'm sure we will. And uh, Q Basil one in the chat room says dimples work because because balls spin. 
Hello, did you not watch Vettel's season last year? Did quite a lot of spinning. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Uh, but why don't we go on to the next team that we're covering the car launch of, and that is Racing Point something something. Kyle, tell me the name and tell me if you agree that this is the most good-looking car on the grid this year. Uh, um, yeah, I think it's Racing Point, isn't it? They had a, they had well, they've dropped the ball twice here, quite spectacularly. They had a, they had a brilliant opportunity to change the name and make it something something more like how about racing explosion or something a bit more that ah, you know racing points a bit a bit lame and that livery i'm sorry i'm going to put one out here i do not like that livery at all the original 2017 dark pink was pretty cool baby pink fading into white with blue thrown in is absolutely dreadful i have seen piles of stuff on the vomit outside of nightclubs that are more aesthetically pleasing than that livery yeah but what do you really think Get off the fence. Go on, Chris. Um, I mean, pink, they didn't have to stick with it. I guess that's BWT is uh, the the link there for the pink. Yeah, pretty much. A new title sponsor as well, Sport Pacer um, for Racing Point. The name is just a kind of thing of, well, we didn't need to change the name, so we didn't. Um, There was uh, apparently, according to Autosport, uh, attempts to revive the Brabham name or the Lola name back in Formula One that just kind of didn't come through because I think well, the name's just the name we don't really need to change it that's not the, the the name on the door isn't really the most important thing going on with our team at the moment we're going to focus elsewhere I think was the philosophy behind that uh, but this is the most intriguing car on the grid this is the most in, intriguing outfit on the grid for me next season because I think there's there's such a wide range of possibilities for this team it could be that um, a very successful businessman with no real Formula One experience has gone in there purely because he wants his son, who is generally considered to be off the pace, to have a good racing car. And to that extent, he gets favoured and they end up completely wrecking, you know, one of the most overachieving teams of the past six or seven years. Or what we could be seeing is somebody coming in with real, genuine investment 
He is a billionaire after all, who is a very focused businessman, who has been successful from, from nothing, a self-made man up to a billionaire. And if he's been that successful in everything else in his life, why would he not be successful in this area? And they could end up leapfrogging Renault, leapfrogging Red Bull. This is the team with the most possibilities. Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They've been the perennial overachievers of Formula One for years. They've got a tiny budget. They're a small uh, garageista team. Um, and they always produce a very good car. And they're always in sort of, you know, yeah, they finished fourth in the constructors a couple of years ago, I believe. So I'm hoping it's going to be your latter point that, that the strolls coming in are going to give them the financial backing because they tend to fall back during mid-year because they can't afford to develop. I'm hoping now they have been given the opportunity to develop mid-season and carry on. I'm a huge fan of theirs. I don't think this is the year we'll see it. Not straight away anyway, simply because the state of the team last year, uh, I will be amazed if that did not have an impact on the work that's gone on for the early part of this year. Um, and they're, they're looking to increase their resources, improve their their factory and their base, which they can afford to do now. So we're looking more at the back end of this year and then 2020 onwards, where I think we'll start to see the real progress. But the what, what caught my eye was the fact that they're planning on bringing upgrades to each of the first five races, like the yes. front run do, uh, and it, to do it in smaller, more consistent doses rather than bringing uh, fewer and larger upgrades. Um, so it, it pretty much guarantees what we see on the car here is not what we'll see in Barcelona and not what we'll see in Australia as well. But that, in a way, is quite encouraging. The, the huge strength and advantage that Mercedes have with 100, no, I was going to say 100,000, then I was going to change it to 110. No, no, with 1,000 employees is that they can do five wrong things to find the right thing. And I think Force India haven't always had that luxury Whereas now they are going to have some of that redundancy. And I think that has already started because we've heard uh, Otmeyer Schaff Nauer, that'll do, uh, talking about how they've, they've already got these luxuries and how they don't want to change their philosophy too much. Now they've got this luxury, but it does mean they can bring three front wings, three sets of rear wing upgrades or whatever. And during FP1, FP2, they can really learn things. Yeah. And that goes back on what, it goes back to what we were saying about engineering logistics and stuff like that. So someone like Mercedes has said, okay, we want to try and develop a slightly different design for this. So they'll throw rapid prototypes at it. They'll rapid prototype a few components, get that in the wind tunnel and try to manufacture it to get it to track for a Friday. Someone like Force India or Racing Point or whatever they're called simply don't have the budget for that. They have to design it once and generally make it once for an upgrade to try to be economically efficient. So hopefully they have a bit more room for manoeuvre now with the stroll monies. But um, DJ in the chat room says, oh, sorry, SJ, two words, though, Lance Stroll. That's why Racing Point will fail. We can't get away from the fact that at the moment, Chris, at the moment, and we'll go on to Williams in a second, it, the evidence does suggest that Lance Stroll is a good way off the top drivers. And are they going to be grown up enough about it to go, well, we've got Sergio Perez, who we know is in and around you know the top pace is in and around the Holkenbergs uh, and the Ocons of this world. Uh, oh, I'm gonna get oh, I'm gonna get emails about that. Uh, but he he is there. He is a genuinely quick driver. Are they going to be grown up enough to go? Actually, Lance for now get bedded in. But Sergio, you're the one who's driving for the development. 
and is, is, is the big hope for the team this season. I think there's got to be no doubt that Sergio's got to be the number one in that car. Not only is he the more experienced, more successful, quicker driver, but he's also the one that saved the team or assisted in saving the team last season. So yeah, Air quotes from pretty- Kyle. Okay. Explain yourself, Mr. Power. Oh, it was a controversial save, wasn't it? It was taking the team to court to save them. That's <laughs> a very controversial save in my eyes. There's definitely more to the story, isn't there? There's definitely more to the story, but definitely an exciting prospect uh, at, at at Racing Point. I keep wanting to call them Force India. Kyle? Yeah, and going on, to, we don't actually know that Stroll's the slower driver. Everyone's taken that as fact. Yeah. And Perez is going to completely beat him. We don't know that. We have never seen Stroll has been against Massa when Stroll was in his rookie season. Not really too fair to compare. And then he's been against Rockin, who himself was in his rookie season. So he's going up against a known quantity for the first time. So I think that's going to be fascinating because about 90% of the F1 fans have absolutely slated Stroll. Did, um, and it's going to be really interesting to see if they have been correct. Did Stroll not go up against Bottas as well? Did I? Or did they miss each other? They missed each other. Okay, fair enough. Go on, Chris. Crucially, he's going to be in what we assume is going to be a fairly decent car for the first time as well. Because let's not kid ourselves. The Williams he's been driving are were not good cars, especially for someone inexperienced as Lance. So to come into what we think is going to be a good car with a good benchmark this is the proper test for Lance now. It's also going to be really interesting to see uh, in a different chassis and the different foibles of what different chassis give the driver because he had a, even though he was a debutante in 2017, he'd had an awful lot of miles in the 2014 chassis, I believe it was, of Williams. And he's only ever driven Williams chassis and he's done quite a lot of testing in them. So now he's got very limited testing in a completely different chassis. Um, that's going to be interesting to see how he adapts. But um, I've, I'll put a sneaky bet on him being pretty close to Perez, actually. Go on, then. Yeah, go on. Let's quantify that. All right, then. Uh, I think that in the first six Grand Prix, taking into account any kind of, you know, he couldn't qualify for whatever reason, in the sessions that they were both in, that Sergio Perez will be on average half a second faster than Lance Stroll uh, in comparable qualifying sessions. Uh, Furthermore, further than that, I think that on at least three occasions, Sergio Perez will be in a in a later qualifying session than Lance Stroll. That's that's what I'm going for, Carl. What do you reckon? I'm just writing that down. So that was 0.5 seconds in qualifying for the first five races, was that? Uh, did I say six? Maybe Let's say Barca, up to Barcelona. Okay, up to Barca. That's a five, I bet then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah and the other one? Uh, the other one is that in three of the first six races, I'm pretty sure I've changed this already, in three of the first six races... Sergio Perez will be in a higher final qualifying position, i.e. Perez will get to Q3, whereas Stroll is out in Q2. Noted, done, virtual handshake. I love how you just declared it was a fiver. I'm sweating now. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, uh, this is Missed Apex Podcast. You can find us at MissedApexPodcast.com. We have tried to make it appealing for you people to, who are you calling you people, uh, to be patrons because we are a Patreon and ad-supported podcast. And if we did not do that, this podcast would not have survived uh, in autumn last year. However, we do have great Patreon support, and for which we thank you, and that means we get to keep doing what we do. Patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. We haven't had rewards for a long time, 
So all those people who've been contributing just out the goodness of their hearts, we thank you very much. Me and Matt have started doing a Monday afternoon a little waffle cast where we do talk a bit about a bit about F1, but it's also a bit about Matt and I and what we're doing and a little bit inside baseball of what we're doing here. And um, we've had people drop in for the couple we've done. We've had people drop in on the Skype call. They've been generally well received. Also, there is an ad free RSS feed that you can add to your podcast player. And we have a lovely Slack group where you can come and hang out as well. So if you like podcasting and you think your favourite podcasts should survive, I encourage you to support them. And you can support us by going to patreon.com forward slash Mist Apex. Let's move on to Williams, the team that the Stroll money has vacated. Let's start off with the livery. Was it you, Kyle, that made the comment uh, that it, it was something out of motorsport managers, <laughs> uh, you know, auto design playbook? It wasn't me. It was somebody else in our in our chat but yeah it's a generic motorsport manager livery um it's awful like mercedes have gone for a go faster stripe they've gone for a go faster side pod and blended it into white these white and color combinations i don't like personal preference but it's a generic livery isn't it it's rubbish chris the the lighting they used on the presentation was like they were kind of secretly ashamed of it it's like don't turn it up too bright no 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 that's too bright turn it down again turn it down again it was it was a really odd choice for a launch yeah, I, I got to say, I'm, I'm never really a huge fan of the, these these car launches that that do the the strobe lighting and have a load of thumpy thumpy dubstep music playing while they reveal the car because it is just the most generic thing you can possibly do, and you have to sit through about fifty of them a year, unfortunately. And I I, I got to say, I don't like the look of the car. Um, I'm not going to miss it. That's for that's for sure on the track. Um, and here there's. Little to suggest that things are going to improve at Williams. You would hope that they've kind of knuckled down, identified the areas of the car that needed major improvement. Probably had to go along a new philosophy because what they were working on before just did not work. So, um, yeah, you you would hope big changes coming out of Williams. Let's just focus on the livery just for a second. Can we agree, though, Kyle, that the Williams Martini livery was, even though that Williams wasn't performing... It, it was an iconic part of the F1 grid. That was a, it was a good looking livery. It stood out and it's something that people will remember. Not quite to the extent of the seven up car, but it's, it was up there. Yeah, it was good. And more important than any of you, what you previously mentioned, it was classy. It was nice. It was classy. It wasn't this horrible fadey transition. We've grabbed it. We've hit the keyboard demo sort of thing to go and get it. Um, this just looks cheap. I don't know what's going on with this modern trend for cheap and nasty looking liveries. It's horrid. Yeah, especially when you compare that to the Mercedes one where they've thrown a lot of effort and design chops at it. It, it does look a little bit misplaced at the moment. Um, and then Rowkill or Rowkit, Ro who's on the back, that's some, something that everybody had to Google. Uh, but I gather that this is uh, a mishmash of different companies. So it's like an umbrella corporation. And uh, I... I think it includes things like drinks, phone companies, uh, insurance. So this definitely smacks of a, you know, a personal interest. I did do a little bit of of reading up, but it definitely smacks of personal investors getting involved and just wanting to be part of the team. I'm sure they will be in and around the paddock with all the gold shiny passes and they will have their tummy tickled in the motorhome in between sessions. Well, that's good because I looked up Rocket 
and they were a website designer. So I got a completely the yeah, wrong person straight off the bat. So that shows how, how much that stands out. I'm sure the, the chat room will furnish us with a little bit more information in, in just a moment. But Chris, we could list the backers that they've lost. They've lost the Stroll money. They've lost Martini. They've lost Sorokin's backers, SMP, uh, be it voluntarily or because they decided that Williams wasn't a good process, uh, prospect. This is a company... I'm assuming Williams is a company, I'm not sure, uh, that is is bleeding investors and is struggling to attract confidence. I'm not an expert in business. That's how it seems to me from the outside. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget that uh, Robert Kubica still brings a little bit of money and uh, I'm sure they're getting uh, a, a wee bit of help financially from Mercedes for using their engines and the fact that they're running a Mercedes driver in that car in the form of George Russell for this season. So every little helps, but it certainly doesn't seem to be in a stronger financial position as it was two years ago. That's for sure. And uh, we were talking about teams that have been affected by, you know, the, the late regulation changes having to cancel days uh, of, of filming. Williams aren't going to be running in the first day of testing already. It's a, it's going to be a big loss. You only get eight days pre-season yeah. testing and you lose one already. And it, it's not even, like in the, the last couple of years when they lost it because Stroll was chucking it in the gravel and breaking unique development parts. It's just because the car's not ready. Yeah. Um, as we alluded to before, they they actually had a filming day booked for today. So they pulled out of that and now they've pulled out of tomorrow's testing as well. It's that's that's tragic and it's just it smacks of yeah, everything being late and behind and maybe not having enough money because they 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 seem like they're still struggling financially. I mean, I think Kubica or Kubica, whoever you want to say it, um, I think he Kyle, must bring Kyle, I'm quite just, I'm a gonna, lot of money. I'm going to help you out here. Just say it differently every time, then you can't be wrong every time. That That's certainly my, my tactic. But you make a fantastic point there. If it was just a case of them being behind on the engineering process, then if this was Mercedes, then you just throw a ton of overtime at it. You can have people working seven days a week and... Um, and and 16 hours a day and people will take that money that's you know people want overtime a, a lot of the time in your workforce this smacks of they can't get parts their supply chain is either unreliable or they can't you know get hold of things this is all speculation we have no information to suggest that is the case but that is where your logic brings us kyle yeah um and for that if you're already in arrears and you're struggling uh, financially from an engineering point of view is some suppliers may withhold parts if you haven't paid your accounts from the previous years some suppliers may be withholding parts and holding a ransom to that that's a perfectly normal thing to happen in general engineering just in time philosophies and stuff like that, that mm. happens quite a lot and plus with mercedes say They've made an upgrade, they've made a design, they've rapid prototyped it, they've 3D printed something, got it into the wind tunnel, it doesn't work, they throw it away to try again. Williams might only have one or two attempts at that and they realise that they, this is not going to work, we need to start from scratch. They don't have the infrastructure and the resource or the money to keep knocking things out like that. So they, they have less chances to get it right. And I think they've probably got something wrong and it's delayed everything. Because one of the more famous cases of you know the parts being withheld from an F1 team was, was Manor back when they went into administration, weren't allowed their engines and weren't allowed to compete in Abu Dhabi because of it. Yeah, yeah. And we're not saying that that is what happened. That That's a, a possible scenario of what could have happened. I mean, it's a very common thing in manufacturing. Um, but, but yeah, I think it's my personal opinion is they've had a very limited number of 
prototypes they can get out to try and make something good. They've realized it's not going to be so good, so they've decided to take a bit more time to make it right. In any case, there's no amazingly great reason why you would not have your shakedown day and turn up for the first day of testing. It's like, well, actually, guys, we've got it so nailed, we're just going to chill on the Monday and just have an extra Christmas office party a little bit late. So no, not good news for Williams fans, of which I include myself as one, and more so this year because they have a young British hope. And we, I know people get upset. Why are you supporting the British drivers? Because I'm from Britain. So uh, that's why. So sorry about that. And Russell is a very promising young driver, Kyle. He's in at Williams and we kind of like, all right, we didn't mind when you were messing up Stroll and Sorokin's career, but could you, you're a British team. Could you look after George, please? Exactly. And it's not just that it's British. Just take out, take nationality out of it. Look what he's, he did in F2 last year. He was by far the standout driver. He was absolutely brilliant. Uh, regardless of nationality, he is an exciting talent that deserves to be in Formula One. And I hope Williams can give him a good foundation to make a good start to his career. Likewise, McLaren with Lando. Not, not just what he did in F2. He is the new Leclerc in that he's, you know, he did GP3 champion, the next year F2 champion, then the next year F1 driver kids going places totally agree totally agree um i watched a couple of ft races back over the weekend and the silverstone one stuck with me where lando norris was coming through the field and maybe struggled a little bit but george russell just kept his head down and was just rapid pace and he was meticulous in picking people off and i said to myself this this is the boy to watch he's going to be a star but formula one is brutal with rookies like van dorn very much fancied came up against uh, Fernando Alonso, who's sort of a known quantity, didn't look amazing, didn't do enough to make other teams go, we need to grab you. Actually, let's just let's take a quick diversion. What do the rookies coming in this season have to do to 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 impress and, and to be classed as success? George Russell has to be Robert Kubica, who a lot of people will be. Do you not think so, Carl? I, I think I think he has to come in and dominate Robert Kubica. If he can't do it on pure pace, let's say Robert Kubica does have that one lap pace back, he's got to be able to do it in strategy and in the race. Otherwise, you know what people will say? They'll say, you know, he's flattered Kubica. Yeah, but Kubica, we we can almost consider him a rookie, but he's not. He's a known quantity. He was known for being brilliant before. So if... If George Russell doesn't do so well, everyone's going to say, oh, well, it's because Kibitza uh... is amazing. But I would expect George Russell to be on top of him very, very quickly. But then people will take that away from, from, from Russell. I think Russell's in a very difficult situation here. He's damned if he does and he's damned if he doesn't. Like If he, if he thrashes Kibitza, people will say Kibitza's not at his best. If he gets beaten by Kibitza, so you've been beaten by a hobbled, crippled F1 driver. So, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Russell has to come in there and yeah. set and set Williams on fire, essentially. To, to survive F1, I think Russell has to come in there and wipe the floor with Kubica, unfortunately for him. That's that's the test he's got at the moment. And Lando Norris, he's against Sainz, who is considered fine, but I don't think has set the world on fire yet. So again, I think Norris has to come in and start doing really well. Uh, and then the other rookie we've got coming in is um, Ty Britt uh, Alban. And he's up against Kvyat, who we know is super quick. He's probably the the rookie that has got the least pressure because there's probably not many people are going to come in and go, right, you've got to be quicker than Kvyat on one lap pace. You've just got to not hit Vettel. 
I, I disagree with that. I did a whole thing on album back when he suddenly abandoned his Nissan Edam's Formula E drive. Ah, but you've let your Formula E bias colour your opinion on him. No, no. What I'm saying here is that I, both of those drivers are under huge amounts of pressure because who is waiting in the wings that Red Bull are desperate to put in that car? Dan Tickton. yeah. After one of those two slip up, they're out. I just, I just think that they know full well they're going to get rid of Kvyat again. I just think that's the plan because they just know they can. Yeah, I think that Toro Rosso seat is is a bit of a poison chalice. If you don't do a Max Verstappen and set the world on fire, your F1 career is over. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's. A, I think Albon is under the most pressure out of no, all of the rookies. No, no, I don't agree at all. Kvyat is is not fancied by Red Bull. Red Bull don't fancy him. Korea is Red Bull's 2am booty call. If if they're alone, if they've got a spare spot, then they're, they're going for Korea. They'll, they'll give them a ring and they know Korea will come running. I still don't know how he's ended up in that drive. I still don't really understand how that came about. It's 2am, baby. It was 2am and Tickton wasn't answering the phone. So there we go. That, that's all we've got to say about that. Uh, shall we finish up on Red Bull very quickly, Chris? They have again broken our hearts with just an amazingly beautiful testing livery that urban blue that they had that urban camo they had in 2018 i was heartbroken that that wasn't going to be their their 2018 livery it looked so cool and they've come out with this the purple and orange and it just looks brilliant just race in that just race in that why not i'm not a huge fan of this one what i know controversial opinion but the the last two I really, really enjoyed. And then this one is just, nah, not, not doing anything for me. This one. Really? Oh, it looks mega. Would you, would you have accused them of novelty value if they'd have used any of their previous testing liveries in, in race trim? Obviously, the Zebra car was never going to make it onto the grid. But the Urban Camo, with the right sponsorship in the right places, that would have been so cool. Now, I, I, I like Red Bull's traditional colours way too much. So, um, for me, I just wish they'd launched it in that, to be honest. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I, I understand. My understanding is that their shakedown day went very well and that the Honda is being super smooth and behaving itself. But everyone is kind of holding their breath, aren't they, Chris? Everyone is waiting for, do they turn up with a supercharged, uh, Japanese rocket in the back or does it fuck, fuck, fuck? like it did at the beginning of the hybrid era? Well, if you look at the back of both the Red Bull and the Toro Rosso, you'll notice that the rear end on that is extremely tightly packaged. Kind of going back to that size zero concept that McLaren tried to make a success and never quite managed to do. Now, you know, last year, the Toro Rosso was quite a bit more open because Honda asked for a bit more space. So is this a sign of confidence from Honda that they can now make this work? or? Are they taking a bit of a gamble? A bit too much of a risk, perhaps. I'm sure we're going to find out in the coming weeks. But so far, things look quite good. Yeah, I, I'm fully on the Honda hype train. Like fully on the Honda hype train. And going back to your comment with the um, size zero concept, they've learned a lesson. They've had enough PR and public damage by now with everything that happened at McLaren to take another wild punt or a risk on on extreme designs uh i think they i think they might have just got it right surely if you're if you're an engineer or you're in their pr team you wouldn't 
you wouldn't say let's we it's a bit risky let's go with this concept it might fail again because they can't afford that to happen in the public eye anymore so i think this is genuine and as you said the Toro and red bull are noticeable in how slim they are at the back and the lack of cooling on there so they might have just hit the nail on the head i'm fully on the hype train really it, th- those two cars as well you know what, what's quite important for honda i think is the fact that for the first time they're running two teams rather than just the one um so i think that'll help them a little bit both red bull and Toro are going to get equal resources from honda apparently and the entire back end of those two cars the gearbox the rear suspension etc are identical and that's quite good news for toro rosso as well because it means they can actually divert their own resources elsewhere onto the car that also um transfers across to they've dropped the mercedes raised front wishbone on their front suspension and gone more to the red bull type concept so the whole car has moved more towards the sister team which they kind of went away with last year I, when you say that they are a dark horse and that you're on the hype train, Kyle, you're not on the hype train for for a title win, are you? No, not for a title win. I think there are going to be a few upsets. I think they'll use this year as another building year, like Toro said last year. I'd imagine there's going to be a fair few penalties, fair few different engines being introduced, but I think they're going to use this as a launch pad for next year. And I, I'm putting Red Bull down for a couple of race wins. I think they'll win three races next year. I'll say it now. This year, even three races. I don't think that's that controversial, though, is it? Because there are three tracks that they are notoriously good at, which is Monaco, Singapore, and the other one that I can definitely remember, Chris. Mexico. Mexico. That's, as I said, so that I can definitely remember didn't say I would name it. But if, if those are the three races you're going for, Kyle, then you're really saying, you know, as you were, they're going to maintain their third place position. No, no. I think they're going to move on. I mean, those races they won last year uh, were kind of purely chassis. Um, I think they'll win those same races this year, but maybe, yeah, I'll reclarify my point. I think they'll win five races. I think they'll win two out of the races they wouldn't have won with Renault last year. I think the target for them has got to at least win the same number of races that they won last year. You know that the Honda is going to be the limiting factor in both of those cars. um, And that otherwise uh, things are going to be looking good, good good for Red Bull as a car Um, where the Honda deliver the goods. That's going to be, you know, up to them. It's going to determine their success outside of the Monaco's and the Singapore's and the Mexico's where we've seen them do, do very, very well. Yeah, and and also with with their rundown and their shakedown, I've, I've watched quite a few videos that have been released from that, and some of the shots, Verstappen was pushing the car, even though they're on they're on the control tires, he was wanging it into cops. I mean, he was really pushing it, and it and from what I've seen, they looked like they did, they did their four hundred kilometers, haven't heard of any technical issues, no startup problems, nothing. And when they were with McLaren, like I said, on some of their tests, they barely get to the end of the pit lane. Surely this is positive signs. All right, guys. So we've got testing to look forward to. Excuse me, I've got a frog in my throat. We've got testing to look forward to. Uh, Who's going to be the first team parked up on the side of the road, Chris? The first team parked up? Oh, I mean, probably McLaren, right? Surely. Because even last year when they finally got the Renault engine in. um, Yeah, either McLaren or or Williams. I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I'll go along with that. Um, I, I I vote McLaren. Closely followed by Red Bull. Initial hiccups that they'll have. Yeah, McLaren closely followed by Red Bull. Guys, fantastic launches review. It can be a period where you go, 
Well, what's the point in talking about the launches? Because we're just talking about whether they've got pretty colours or not. But I think this is very much us getting ramped up and excited for the 2019 season. We're going to have to do a predictions show at some point. I did like Kyle's steely look as I was making predictions about Lance Stroll and uh, Sergio Perez. He definitely was writing that down. Uh, So we can get a few more predictions like that going and track them through the season. Chris, what are you up to at the moment? and Where can people follow you on social media? Uh, Follow me on Twitter at uh, ChrisOnRacing change that i'm not actually sure if i've been on the show since i changed yeah we've Uh, mocked you for for that equally bad i mean you don't have the underscore anymore but it's still not a great twitter handle chris on racing what are your your sat on racing maybe chris does racing i don't know chris writes racing all the it's 2019 all good usernames at this point are taken surely um but you can there's there's good content now because i've i've picked myself up a new job um, I've quit my part-time role. Hooray. Uh, I'm not going to be doing motorsport journalism as much as I am. Instead, I'm going to be doing motorsport PR. And I'm really, really excited about what it what it holds for, for my future. So these are, these are happy times. You are a full-time motorsport person now. Congratulations. It's been a while coming, not that long, because you're still like 12 or something. Uh, but certainly well done. Uh, if you want to catch up with Kyle Power, he doesn't do Twitter because he is edgy and weird and different. And if all the cool kids and white shirt clones are doing it, then Kyle Powers isn't. Sorry, Power Powers. I always say the wrong one. Sorry, Kyle. Power. Power. It's a great name. It's a power name. Uh, you can also find him on Facebook. He is always very happy to give advice on racing and karting. And he also features on BBC Radio Cambridgeshire from time to time. He's gotten in there with a good looking employee at the station. Uh, you can catch Mr. Apex at Mr. Apex F1. We also have a Facebook group and we have a page as well. Do be sure to subscribe. A lot of people rely on me to post on social media in, in those groups. The absolute surest way to get the episode is to subscribe to it on your podcast player and then it gets delivered automatically. Until next time, guys, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars and glory lasts forever. This was Missed Apex. Well, I guess that's the end of just being able to talk about whatever we want, Chris. We are now back on the F1 train and we just have to talk about the things that are actually happening. I mean, there is one more thing we could just speculate about. What, is it is it the section that I always deliberately leave until after the end credits? Always. Right, okay, fine. Let's, uh, let's find out who is the winner of... Comment of the week. Chris, you're filling in for Matt Trumpets. Why don't you give us some nominations for comment of the week and we'll let Kyle decide. Jeremy Hopwood. Looks like the podcast started under yellow with a phone notification caution after our little false start earlier. Yeah, but the, the final edit, the people don't know about that false start. As far as they know, I get it right every single time, first time. People want to know your human's manners because no one would ever tell. <laughs> European Williams has the best toothpaste livery on the grid. Oh yeah, it kind of it kind of does look like toothpaste. That's a contender. Um I'm probably going to mispronounce this name. Um so apologies but Edgevind Anderson. Very common uh, Danish name, very strong viking name that. 
dimple car sponsored by acne oh now that is just that is ugly people shaming that is not their fault <laughs> that is a physical condition okay right looks like that one's out uh the last one is uh stuart neil Coulthard had a dimple and he was quick not as quick as Hakkinen, so maybe that disproves the theory <laughs> uh all right then kyle who is the winner of comment of the week it's got to be european for the toothpaste livery i think that's spot on Win. A well-deserved victory. You may add that to your Twitter handle, guys. See you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.